0: Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Posecast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner and myself, Seth Hellman. It's episode 15 today. It's a special number on a special day. And because of this, we've got a special guest. Our resident Cohen at the Chabad house of what do we call it? Greater Boston. Is that what you Correct. consider yourself?
1: CH We've
0: got Mr. Kaplan here. Josh, how are we doing today?
2: Baruch Hashem, how are you?
0: We're doing all right, Rabbi. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank God. It's been it's a great day as we were talking before we got on here. The sun is shining in Boston and in New Hampshire and also believe it or not in Cambridge.
2: Oh, Cambridge, Somerville. Yeah, the whole New England area seems to be graced with beautiful weather. It's awesome.
1: All right, let's move on from that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, so Josh, let's let's get talking about I guess we'll start off
0: with your well, firstly, I guess congratulations are in order for those of you who don't know. I mean, it, it's I wouldn't call it that recent, but recently had a, a, a young, healthy baby boy. So how has that been? How are the first couple of months of fatherhood been for you?
2: It's 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 a wild ride. You you don't know what to expect. And then it happens to you. And, you know, there's no training and people give you a couple books to read. You're like, do I read the books? I don't know. But I'm just going to go flying into this. And thank God everything is. Well, uh, Eureka David is an amazing baby. Um, happy, healthy, and you know, he's uh he's awesome. So it's you know it's amazing being a father. Um, highly recommend. What so would I would you say, I would say most? Oh yeah, go Rabbi. Here, I, I Rabbi. would
1: say that um, I, I'm I'm a father also. Um, <laughs> of a small of a small clan. I was going to um, say I'm... clan, clan, a small clan. Basically, you try to raise your children. You, you try to raise your. You try. You, you raise your children better. You want to raise your children better than your parents raised you. Mm-hmm. You end up raising them pretty much exactly the same as your parents did raise you. And as well, you're doing certain things. You say, "My father used to do this to me. I shouldn't be doing this." And you try to control yourself. Sometimes you do. Usually, you're not that successful. And then you have to ask yourself a question. Look in the mirror and say, "Am I?" Am I a good guy? Am I a upright, uh, you know, standing up, upsta- up, upstanding citizen of the society? Am I a good Jew? And if you say yes, then your parents probably did something right. If you said no, get therapy. <laughs> Great. So really well, that's let's really... listen to the postcast. <laughs> so yeah, you can take you can take hints and, and advice and try to do things, you know, but really. Just think how your parents took it, raised you, and that, you know they did a pretty good job, which our, everybody thinks their parents did. Go with that. All right, absolutely. Enough with fathering and parenting. Well, she's like not and parenting stuff. We got to push him under the chuppah still. <laughs> Working on it. Working on it. But, but, and 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 we'll pause for a little announcement first. You should go to yeshiva. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: Seth on on the yeshiva thing, which is a great motif that's been happening with the past couple episodes um i remember one time i was at rabbi Posens for shabbos and it was 9 30 he was going this we're trying to learn and he's giving me the spiel. new why aren't you in yeshiva and i go rabbi i'm trying to get married there's no women in yeshiva he just looks at me <laughs> dead eye goes fair point and then walks away from me i was like i, I think I, I think i did something right here <laughs>
0: See, see, the problem is that I can't use that though because he already knows that I have the woman. It's right, just a right, matter right, right, of getting uh,
1: there. C- correct. That's what okay. calls for. Now back to the Josh Kaplan story. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Josh,
0: you're obviously a, a good Starka from yid. Is it, has that has it always been like that? Was that a journey that you got to? How how was your upbringing in that sense?
2: It is a oh, it's been a journey. It's been a roller coaster. Um, so I grew up secular but but proud in the great town of mansfield um where there's not so many uh jews um but we have amazing shalikim there rabbi yassin Sivikivman. kivman i first met them it's my sophomore year of high school my brother and i working at local stop and shop as does every you know teenager in new england and we see these orthodox looking people and they're handing out matzo ball soup but i think it was before pesach time and we go over there so excited that we found these other. Jews were showing them our, like, high school class rings, and even though we weren't religious, we had, like, the Star of David, like, on them, either in the stone or on the side, I don't know, we were like, oh, we're so proud, and so we started talking to them, and it was very exciting, and then, so they started trying to invite us over for, like, Shabbos meals, but I was still secular, and I had no interest in it, I was like, look, Friday night, I want to go hang out with my friends, Saturday is a free day, I'm going to go do things, I don't want to be stuck in synagogue doing whatever, this isn't fun for me, Um, but things changed, as I'm as well, what may have happened with you and a lot of people as well as you go up to college, and you meet Chabad on campus. Um, so growing up, very nice. I mean, we did my bar mitzvah. It was actually a, a b'nai mitzvah with my brother and I at Lafayette House in Foxborough. Trey food on a Saturday. I, I, excuse <laughs> you know? me,
1: excuse me. At this point, you should let the audience know that you had the bar mitzvah with your brother because yeah. because
2: because we're twins. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, <laughs> And we were told we can do a B'nai Mitzvah, which is two, you know, two bar mitzvahs, I guess, happening at the same time. And we didn't even do Hebrew, Hebrew school. We did 21 months of private tutoring for our B'nai Mitzvah. That was the extent of my Jewish education. Um, but then, again, you know, we went off to college, and Rabbi Yossi Kivman called Rabbi Shmuel Kravitsky from Amherst and goes, you need to contact the Kaplan's. You need to take care of these kids. So we started going there junior year. I started going to Hillel sophomore year after doing nothing freshman year. Again, got to college, proud Jew, but religion just didn't seem fun to me. It seemed like you're stuck in services and, you know, what's it's not going to be fun. So Hillel sophomore year, met, first time had Jewish friends, which was great. Didn't have Jewish friends growing up. And then um, my brother gives me a call junior year around Simcha's Torah saying there's a rabbi on campus doing a wine pong kiddish cup tournament for Simcha's Torah. Come be my wine pong partner. I'm in college. I like to play. I like to party. I'm like, this, this should be fun. Why not? I show up. There's like five tables. There's a bracket system. I'm like, this is ridiculous and amazing. And I just kept coming back. Like, that was like the hook, line, and sinker for me um, after meeting Shmuel Kravitsky. And every Shabbos was going back. Started keeping Shabbos there. Stayed with them all all senior year for Pesach to ensure I was keeping full Pesach. It was the first time I ever kept full Pesach Kashrut for like all eight days. It was, it was amazing. And of course you leave college and you go back home and it's like, yeah, that was fun, but that was my college life. But back home in Mansfield, I still want to see friends and go out. So, you know, there's this internal battle going on like classic animal soul, Jewish soul, uh, the the, the godly soul type of stuff. Right. And then my brother, while we were in college, he's, he's an engineer and sees things once and zero. So as I'm fluctuating through my whole thing, trying to figure out, he's like, Nope, this is the answer. And zero to sixty, <laughs> like kept Shabbos, grew out a beer, diving three times a day. Um, and so there's an interesting dynamic when we, when we moved back home and want to do Shabbos dinners. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's cool stuff. I don't want to watch and do Shabbos dinner on Friday night. I want to go like see people. And eventually it got to me, you know, this is really important, Chavez cause you know, to fill in like the whole nine yards. Um, so a little bit later, what 2015, after I started working for a year, I started uh getting back into the swing of things it was during the 10 days between rosh Hashanah and yom kippur i started wearing my uh, kippah to work and i was like i think i'll put on sit-sits and i started getting into the motion of doing to fill in the morning before i left for work quick shema and roll out um and then started building from there uh you know visiting either staying with shop Shab- uh by the chemist for shabbos going back to Shmuel to see him in amherst and when my brother started grad school in uh about 2014 he started at BU and lived at the Posner's in the nice apartment complex they got up top. So I'd visit him. Um, and, you know, even first time I met Rabbi Posner was at Chabad on campus Shabbaton. I knew Shmuel Pervisky, what, September, two months later, November, we're going off to Shabbaton for the first time. And I only knew about Crown Heights from Mati Shahu, right? Live at Stubbs volume one. <laughs> and I got into that fresh, I got into that, like, Freshman year of high school, he's singing about Mashiach and Hashem. I'm like, I don't know what this guy is saying, but this stuff is awesome. <laughs> and then so finally we make it to Crown Heights. I'm like, this is it. This is like like the Holy Land. <laughs> We've stayed at um, most excellent people, Adel and Dove Sports. found out they live right next to where Manishah, who stayed when he lived in Crown Heights. I was like, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> we met Avram Fried. Like, there was a, it was a whole big thing. And of course... If you've ever been to Chabad Camp Campus Shabbaton, you know
1: Pagisha, Pagisha,
2: Pagisha. You know that was after that was after I graduated. But yes, uh, Pagisha. Um, Got to keep the brand. Keep the brand. <laughs> right, branding's critical. Um, brand. But Rabbi Posner here gives the infamous or famous, depending how you've experienced it, Mose <laughs> Shabbos for bringing. And this is my favorite experience of all time. <laughs> it's it's lively because everyone, you know, all the rabbis are trying to make sure the students are comfortable and you know they're having fun (laughs) and posner (laughs) comes in and he's just darts around the room calling out students calling out rabbis there's tears you know it's like we laughed we cried we had a really good time promised someone to fill in got someone to go to seminary you know first time i was there yakov czar who we're so close with is there and i just see posner smacking the crap out of this guy i'm like i don't know what's going on but this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) because yeah
0: for, for for us so I guess for you this was like a new experience with them. but for me when I first went on you know when I went on Pegisha like I, I I've been with this guy for at this <laughs> yeah. you know this was not this school year but the school year before so it was like two and a half years at that point that I had been exposed yeah. to him and so you show up to this for bringing and it's it's not like outlandish it's just the rabbi being the rabbi but right. it's no one else there is used to it other than the rabbis and his students so it's like this yep. out-of-body experience where you're sitting there watching this happen and then he goes and he does the pants story with the tefillin where it's like Do you put on <laughs> pants every morning right. and the guy's like yeah so why aren't you putting on tefillin and so we're <laughs> just like sitting in this corner cracking up because it's all of the things that he says to us all of the time and other people are just like so like it's such oh, a yeah. foreign experience the first time that they get to, to see it.
1: Josh Kaplan. Right.
2: No, but no, but so, so it's amazing to hear from other perspectives. Again, this is the first time we met him. So, afterwards, you know, we're awed by this man. And so we go up to him afterwards. My brother's like, Oh, I, this is, that was amazing. You know, I learned so much. You're so inspirational. And tries to shake his hand. And he's like, Look, if you're saying thank you and trying to shake my hand, like, you don't need to. I, I don't need to hear that. Just keep on doing your thing. And we're like, Wow. <laughs> he's like, This aura of this man so holy. He doesn't even want to hear a thank you from us. <laughs> um and so you know over time meeting him meeting the Kidmans meeting Shmuel Kavinsky, and also Rabbi Edelman and Amherst moving out to Cambridge Somerville some years later meeting the Shalukim here you know Rabbi all times have been great in Cambridge meeting Meisha across the river YJP in Brookline um there's been that Chabad connection kind of wherever I've gone to and there's always been that support and then realizing internally how important it is for not just my brother who did his own route for me to become religious in a certain way and take on everything. Obviously, you know, at my own time, right time, right place, there's the internal pressures you can get from people, which is still good. It's like, you think you can't take anything more, try to add that one more thing, right? Um, but it's all about growth and continuing to grow. At I, I, some points I would hit, and then I wasn't, I was still living at home after I graduated college for a few years, and then I wasn't keeping stuff going back down. So you have to be in that environment and in that mindset and know that this is truly um, important. Because uh, it's not just for it's 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 for you, but it's also when you want to get married and build a house and a family. How are you going to raise your kids? What where are you going to want to end up living in that type of community? Um. So my Yiddish kite's definitely been a wild ride, and there's always room to grow from here. Um. And I've you know plenty of other stories, but uh, I don't want to talk too much on it. It's just well, so- it's, yeah, I, I guess
0: it kind of, you know, on, on the family note, it, it brings up the question for me of what was the reaction from your parents? I mean, you mentioned being in a very secular household growing up and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you've gone, you know, it's it's not even just a slight move. It's a pretty drastic move, it sounds like, from where you started. So what was the, the family reaction, I guess, you know, and how did that kind of develop over time?
2: Right. So my brother was the pilot program. He did the whole I'm keeping Shabbos now. Mom and dad, I can't eat at your place anymore and of course my mom was trying to was kind of more fine with it she's always kind of opened up more to religion her dad was orthodox her mom was reformer i know we don't really go by labels but it's kind of a basis of a setting of how she grew up which i guess you take the you know denominated, it's like a conservative my dad grew up conservative i guess in that type of thing but didn't like organized religion so of course there was a classic rebellious you know from the parents not appreciating this not understanding it and then we went up to college really getting into it still not understanding it and my dad and i clash a little bit with it with my brother um but I had to, I, I I accepted it. I was like, this is Brett, you know, engineer once and zero, just like my dad, engineer once and zeros in both very stubborn people. And so this is how it's going to be. And to the point where my dad talked to me and he's like, I think I'm losing Brett over this. I'm like, yeah, you keep pushing back. You will, but you got to accept it and embrace it and support him with it. And he was like, that was the best advice you've ever given me. And that was kind of like the green light. So when I became firm, he's like, okay, yeah, this is great. We've already seen this. And now they've all grown in a lot of ways. I mean, my dad grew out the massive beard, um, for Yiddish kites, you know, for the blessings and everything like that. Not just cause he can grow a great beard. Um, they keep kosher at the house. they, renov- they renovated the whole kitchen. So when we come home, we can keep kosher and eat there. We'll spend Shabbos with them. Um, he's learning. He just did three year Rambam cycle. He does a weekly class with Rabbi Yossi on zoom. Um, so it's been just like how I pulled a 180 and a lot of Baltus Shuvas end up kind of pulling a 180 from where they were to where they are now. He, my family too, have pulled like a 180 in terms of their Yiddish kite. Um, so for me, it was easier dealing with them, keeping Shabbos, I'm keeping Kosher. It was really, you know, Brett set like the precedent and then I kind of snuck in there. <laughs> it was like, okay, now now it's my turn. Um, And thank God, you know, it's amazing, right? He's, you know, from, he has a wife and two kids i'm married i have a kid and they're able to support that type of stuff and and appreciate that that lifestyle and we don't have any you know really like heartburn or concern about it um so thank god it's 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 all blessings
1: was, was there any point or any moment of like you talk about a general progression which is pretty amazing I mean, your story mm-hmm. in general it's like it's really, really impressive because it sounds like it's really ground. You know, it's none of this. I was in Thailand on a mountain, and you know, and <laughs> and I saw a vision in the cloud, and it came down, and some Swahili told me I should go to Crown Heights. You know, those. I mean, those stories are cool too. But this is, right. you know, this sounds almost normal. I, sorry to say, but you're not. You know, I would never call you normal, but it sounds kind of normal. What well, was there any? You know, any point of like aha moments, like something that you learned or something that some conception you had and then it got changed and that like moved you forward
2: yeah i think there's definitely a couple things again one you know again um being in the kivmans was great but it, i never felt i needed to keep stuff and it was when i met shmuel and i realized how fun yiddish kite is it's almost like when i when we hear i don't know if you'll ever have abrams on but when you hear the Benjamin abrams story and he meets rabbi Korn. And Rabbi Korn's doing this type of fun stuff as well. He's like, you can do this and you can do that, and you can still be religious. This is amazing. This opens the door to everything." So meeting Shmuel was a huge catalyst. Um, also things kind of blew my mind when I was at college. So growing up, I knew I was Jewish. I knew I was a Cohen. I knew I always wanted to marry Jewish, even being not religious. I was like, "Oh, I understand. You know, you want to marry Jewish and have Jewish kids." Um, and then one day at UMass Amherst, Rabbi Adelman says, "Oh, so you're a Cohen? Means you can only, you know." marry these types of people or not marry these types of people and broke it down for me and I was like well if I'm not religious I'm gonna have a hard time <laughs> trying to find someone who's coin eligible and honestly it's a very blunt assessment I was like this is very difficult to date as a coin um there's a lot of restrictions on it and we can get into it if we want to but you know there's you know it's in the Parsha and we can always find out about it but I was like, okay, that and then learning again, the importance of things and seeing how fun it was at Shmuel where every week I was looking forward for Shabbos or how he would do certain events. Again, like Pesach, Seder under the stars in a big tent, um, Shabbos meals, just what we would talk about. And it would be serious, but also be fun and games because you knew how to, re- him being a Baltaschuvah knew and on the younger side, I think when I was going there, he was early thirties, knew how to relate to students in a lot of ways with pop culture. You know, there was so many examples. Like he, he was like, "Yeah, dog. Back in the day, my favorite bands were the Beatles, the Doors, and the Nirvana." Or he loves Batman. You know, there's all these things that he would talk about. Um, that he could like relate to students on a certain level. And so being like, "Well, you can enjoy that stuff, but you can still get into Torah and 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 Hasidus and see the uh, the excitement within it." And then through through him, also you know, meeting Binyum and Abrams as well, and getting to know him as well, and the excitement and enthusiasm he has. And it's all about how a lot of rabbis can kind of convey these messages and teach and learn. There was never major pressure to go do stuff. He he would just want you to come over and have malawach and maybe learn something. And it was a fun time. So there's a few different aspects to it. Um, And I think that's a little bit of a long-winded answer to the type of question you were you were asking. No,
1: I, th- I think it's. I think it's. It's amazing. It's. It's. Uh, it's. Um. It's. It's very. It sounds very healthy. That's. A, that's what I think the point is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the idea is to enjoy Judaism. I mean, people on the outside always use the word restrictions. Mm-hmm. You know, like Shabbos is restrictive. You can't do all these things. Once when, when you invite somebody to your house, you don't tell them, come to my house and don't A B C and D. You say come to my house and have a good time. Right. And the, the student doesn't even realize that the entire meal has been completely cooked starting this morning when I had to run to the supermarket to get stuff. Mm-hmm. Because Connie has a crazy day today. I had to slip it in between Davening and being ready to do the do the, pod, the postcast on time. It's starting we're starting for Shabbos now. Some kid will call Friday at four o'clock. Could I bring, you know, 16 people? And I look at Khan and Khan looks at me like, and we start um, our start starts, you know, our mind starts swirling. Okay, we have X amount of pieces of chicken. We'll cut them this way, we'll pull this out of the freezer. But when the kid walks in, it's like, wow, this is great. There's a beautiful great. meal. There's nice people, there's a good spirit going on. And and then when they start appreciating it, then there's the background to it, like, do you know how we got here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's in a sense, the experience you're talking about finally you 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 connected to you were had a relationship with Judaism you then found out that Judaism could be fun then you found out that there's underneath it there's something really serious and really powerful and you were open to it because you know it's classically you said you know animal soul Godly soul the animal you have to you have to get to the godly soul you got to go through the animal soul because we're human beings let's not call it the animal soul it's called it the human soul. Uh that sounds a lot nice right the human soul the natural vitalizing human soul which is similar to an animal because basically you're living you're living that's it to be alive you eat you drink you sleep you take care of yourself right but and the godly soul is embedded within it there's a human being that has a godly soul it's not a godly soul that has to be carrying around the body it's in the body so if you want to talk to someone you got to get through the body so when you sit down to eat you got to give them a nice meal. Once you give the, the, the body a nice meal, it's ready to listen. I, I, I think I'd heard the Rebbe talking about this before. You got to satisfy the animal soul so it won't interrupt. You know, it's like you have that, you know, like you're, you're if you're having mm-hmm. a conversation with somebody, you give them a toy to play with. You're not like rejecting your son, you're keeping him busy on his level, so you can do on your level. Every person individually does exactly the same thing. So come on in, have a good time. Okay, now you relax. We're not, not, it's not a bait and switch. We're going to talk to you as one adult to another adult. Let's talk what Judaism really is. And again, I think you you, you support this. The ultimate idea, the change between someone who's observant and who's not observant, becoming observant is one word, education. What is it all about? What is a mitzvah? What is Shabbos? Mm -hmm. What are these things? Why are you doing this? And once you, once you explain it to somebody, it's like, oh, okay. Because Jews essentially want to be Jews. I mean, that's, that's what you said so brilliantly, that even though you grew up in, in a home that wasn't very observant, the, the foundation was there. Your parents came from homes that lived Jewishly and they didn't pass it on to you because they drifted away. No blame to them, you know, whatever. But still, they gave you Jewish identity. and But there was a block because the animal saying, the, the human side, he said, "Let's. I want to have a good time. I want to have a good time. I'm Jewish, want to have a good time. So that was a contradiction. So what Shmuel right. did and what Chabad does in general, that's our approach. Break it down. Feed the animal. Feed the human side. Make them happy. Now let's go. And, and again, it's not like you're trying to trick anybody. You know, <laughs> When you meet me and I'm inviting you Friday night, what do you think is going to happen? You know, it's, it's not going to be a night out and, you know, you know, sitting in, in, you know, having a couple of blunts somewhere. We're going to be, you like that, right? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be doing Shabbos, but then walk in, it's like, wow, this is actually fun. This is not oppressive. This is not restrictive Uh because they don't know how crazy a Shabbos kitchen is. You have to cover this. You can't do that, blah, blah, blah. All else, the meal comes out. It's delicious. It's warm. It's deli- It's fantastic. So yeah, that's, that's uh, great. Let, let me take you in another direction. I know this is going to be a little personal, but can you tell us a bit about your wife and how you met her mm-hmm. and how um, coming from different backgrounds, how you came together and had this wonderful relationship?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we have different stories of how we met, and she's gonna hate that I said this, but <laughs> I argue we met on Jay's wife. She doesn't like that argument though. Um, so we have a mutual friend who used. Oh, to by the know, way,
1: you've been there enough, long enough to know that she's right. So cut that out. From the your customer story.
2: is always right. Yes, of course. No, my wife is always right. So first off, you know, pre, pre, uh, do a little preamble here. You know, the the, the way to keep a happy marriage everlasting, right? It's just say yes, dear. Right. It's the two ma- ma- magic words. Um, so we had a mutual friend, uh, who was living at the Brookline moisture house at the time. Um, and this friend said, Oh, I have a t- couple friends coming in for Shabbos. And she also had a couple friends like previous week, but she said, I have a couple friends coming in for Shabbos. Let's all go out mostly Shabbos, Saturday night to this bar called drink in Seaport. I was like, great. And so, um, Earlier that week, uh, you know, I was on JSwipe, and I also used Bashert now in other systems, right? Because I'm like, I was on the hunt, trying to find the right person, not ruling out any methods of trying to find your Bashert, and of course, you know, searching for outside of Boston, because maybe they're not in Boston. And this is exactly what happened. So I matched with someone who I recognized that I thought I met before, maybe on the Upper West Side when visiting a friend. We matched. Didn't send her a message. I'm in the Uber going to the bar. I get a message from her saying, "Oh, I hear we're seeing each other tonight at 7:30 at Drink and Seaport." I go, "Oh, you must be one of Rachel's friends." And so I show up, and she's there, and uh, another person's there as well. And that's kind of how we met. So, she, but she knew she was meeting me. I didn't know I was meeting her. So she'll argue, "Well, I already knew I was meeting him." So G swipe doesn't count. And I go, "The first time I talked was on this app, anyways." Um, that's how we met and then we we hung up that night and then we hung out you know with our friend all the next day went all around boston freedom trail from charlestown all the way to center town uh it was great and then we started talking more and i went out i think a week or so later to new york for shabbos and so we we started dating and we did long distance dating and when i first met her i was telling her about kind of like who i am and what i'm connected to right and that was pre-beard um Beard is uh, since Omer of 2019 and hasn't stopped. Um, <laughs> but, uh, man, and man. I was saying how, you know, I'm from Boston. I, I you know, I, I'm, I love here and I, and I want to stay here and I work here, um, but I'm really into Kabad. But I'm not totally Lubavitch, but, you know, if I'm picking one lane to stay in, it's like obviously leaning in the uh, the Lubavitch area. And I found out that she grew up modern orthodox in New Jersey and went to Binghamton. And we came very close with all the Shlokum there, the Sloanums, you know, Hane, uh, everyone. And so she had, she grew up more Orthodox, very inspired by Lubavitch. I grew up secular and became from through Lubavitch. And so we had this common denominator of uh, Chabad. And also our love of soup. <laughs> we were like, okay, Chabad, Rebbe, Soup. is like the big three. Like, we're good. <laughs> That's all we need.
1: Let's get married. <laughs>
2: right. Are you willing to relocate to Boston? Yes? Come on down. Um, Come on up. So on. we met. We did long distance. And then she moved here right before COVID. February 2020 which is when she moved to Boston. Um, and then, of course, like March is when COVID hit. So obviously engagement would have happened sooner. Everything shut down. So, you know, had to wait to get the engagement going, but it eventually happened. And I remember once we got engaged, you're like, and which was in September of 2020. You're like, Hey, so when, when are you getting married? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking June, May, May, June, 2021, you know, nice, nice weather outside for the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, chuppah. you're like June. No, 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 no. February, March. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. I was like. It's a little it's a little early maybe a little bit cold but you know everything worked out um it's kind of interesting because you guys in the previous have talked about you know you date for three months there's no more that you need to know at this point and honestly it's a it's a very valid assessment of that when you know it, it, it really is like i dated for a longer time um but when you date this one person for three months you should really know everything at that point and i and i and i get the philosophy of let's get the show on the road right there's no point in delaying this commitment. You know this person, you've seen them enough, you share the same values, you know how you want to build a Jewish home together, so either commit and get engaged and get married or go find someone else. There's no point to dating for a year if it can happen like now. I I really do get the philosophy, and again, the way the dating system works, uh, you see also the divorce rate amongst that type of stuff is also extremely low compared to, well, we dated for three years, we were engaged for another year. Uh, we were living together during the whole time, by the way, even before we got engaged, right? And it, it it's a very different process. Um, but that's how we met. And now we live in Somerville and we have a son, and um that's where we are now. And hopefully at some point we can move to a larger um uh, chabad community with affordable housing, because Boston's not feasible for that. And so we're looking at that and trying to figure out the way forward on that because we want to be able to give ourselves, especially Yuri, all the resources family, the full school system, you know, shules school system, kosher food, the whole nine yards, which as much as I love Boston, it lacks those certain things.
1: Um, And we're very close with everyone here. Um, So your wife grew up in a very observant home. Yeah. Is is there any, like, not seeing eye to eye or, not, not in a negative way, maybe in a positive way, like she'll like point things out to you and... Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that or anything like that.
2: I don't think not seeing eye to eye. Um, I mean, her mom also grew up in, in Brookline and went to Neha growing up as well. So she was also familiar with Chabad in that. And I think your wife works with my mother-in-law's mother at Neha. Right. So there's definitely right. this connection of Chabad. Like, like they know who each other are. Um, The only... Yeah, and with them being in a modern Orthodox household and us leading a more, like, you know, Lubavitch lifestyle, it's, it. I guess it can come down to different things on kashrut. Like, if we show up, I'm like, okay, like, if you can get halibut cereal dairy for us, that'd be amazing. Um, Shabbos, you know, they might take in Shabbos a little bit early and maybe I'll be like, oh, okay, fine, I'll dive in early if I have to, to appease, you know, shul rules. But, like, everything's very great on eye-to-eye stuff because we're also very flexible People Where we're not sacrificing on things. Um, and yeah, and I would say, yeah, everything's pretty even, even for Pesach, right? They'll do the art scroll um, Haggadah, and I'll use my Gutnick, uh edition. And it's very funny when it'll say art scroll, we're like, and now we do this. And mine will say, we literally, Dafka do not do this.
1: <laughs> the pouring of the wine, but it's not Yeah,
2: it's like, you guys can dip all you want. I need a broken vessel, okay? <laughs> and I will not say next year, You know, this, or this, this concludes the Pesach Seda, because we're continuously in (laughs) Gaulis. but you have fun (laughs) saying that. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting, and we we get to learn from each other and stuff like that. Well, but it's great visiting a family who is well-established in Torah and, um, and, and, and orthodoxy and open to, and respecting to Chabad, you know, you might not get that in some communities or, or in some families. Some people go, no, I grew up modern Orthodox and I go to this type of shul, and this is what we do. And those 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 Chabad, it, maybe not so much, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. So everyone's warm and welcoming, which has been um wow. phenomenal.
1: So I, I think it's it's fascinating that what really if you if you have if you have to say what do you and your wife have in common before you were married, the answer is Chabad. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, so. She's coming from one place, and then she gets inspired, you know, to go. And you're coming from another place, getting inspired, and sort of you come up mm-hmm. and meet her, and it's like, yeah, you have you just like such a comfortable relationship because it, on the Judaism level, I mean, personality wise, obviously, you know, two human beings as human beings, but as far as the right. Yiddish kite goes, like there's like snap, yeah, I got the I, I got the chabad thing, and you know, you, you're able to connect on that level. So that's 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 uh fascinating
2: it all comes you to- always think
1: about chabad like oh it's for secular jews you know people don't know mm-hmm. anything and but like oh she grew up you know orthodox like what what what, what could chabad give to her right but anybody who knows chabad who learned Chasidis, learns tanya learns Rebbe Sikhas, knows that there's such a, a a depth to it and a beauty that it adds and an energy that adds to judaism that doesn't matter how you grew up you can you know it, it gives an, an added dimension to it and when you meet you know so when you guys met, it sounds like you really clicked on that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, growing up, it was always when I, I connect to people, it's, oh, what sports are you into? And what bands are you into? And I'm still into all that stuff, you know, sports, bands, whatever. Like, I get it. But but that's how people connect is what are your interests and your hobbies? Oh, have you seen this movie? Oh, I've never seen this movie. Oh, you're living such a sheltered life. You've never seen this movie. But with her, it's like, okay, maybe we don't have that stuff. But everything was revolved around Judaism. And that's really all that mattered at the end of the day was we're both we Have the shared the same shared value of Chabad and Hasidus and living a firm lifestyle and building that home. That it the secular stuff is whatever you know, it, it doesn't matter, <laughs> it's how you want to raise your family and raise a Jewish household, and that's really what it comes down to.
1: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful.
0: Well, we're coming down to the end here in terms of time, but Rabbi, is there anything very quickly? Give us like a 60 minute or 60 minute, 60 second spiel on today. And just like a quick, like, okay, what so should this, we this, know?
1: What's important? This is this is uh, episode number fifteen, which is amazing because today is the fifteenth day of Av, which the Mishnah says that there was no happier days for the Jewish people in the fifteenth of Av and Yom Kippur. The Gemara comment said, "Okay, Yom Kippur, we don't understand." The Jews got forgiven from the Golden Calf. They brought down this Moses. Moshe brought down the Second Tablets. What's up with fifteenth of Av? And basically, there's a number of things that happened that were good for the for the Jewish people. Like, for example, um, the, after the Jews came, after the spies came back from, from Israel and said, we don't want to go into, you know, we can't go to Israel, we've got to stay in the desert. And the, all the Jews cried that night. And God said, you want to cry because I'm giving you the land of Israel? I'll give you a good reason to cry. And that night was Tisha B'Av. And so every year, the he was, they died during the 40 years. Every year, some, some of the men died on Tisha B'Av. That was the day that they were dying. The last year, which was, which is after 39 years, because it started after the first year, they thought they still have another year to go. But really, it was predated from the first year when they made the golden calf. Anyway, bottom line is that it was over, but they didn't know it. So they, the ninth of Av that year, nobody dies. Oh, we must have made a mistake. And it kept on going till the 15th. When the moon is full, and they realize the ninth of Av has passed. The decree is over. So there was a reversal of the negative of Tisha B'av, on the 15th of Av. And the Gemara gives a few more examples about that at the end of Gemara Tainis. You can look it up. The Chassidus on it is very simple. The 15th is when the moon is full. When the moon is full, the Jews are compared to the moon. We're a reflection of Hashem. Okay? So when the moon is full, that means, and, and generationally, King Solomon, Shlomo Melech, was the 15th generation. That was when the moon was full for the Jewish people as a nation. That was the time of perfection. And the fact the Gemara says, that on from the 15th of Av and on the sun gets weaker meaning that the nights start getting longer and the days get shorter which gives us more time to learn Torah right you learn Torah you have to come home for work you work in the fields sun goes down you come home so the Rebbe says what does it mean that the sun gets weaker because you think about it um, the sun is created by Hashem he says the sun that's worshipped by the idol worshippers what does that mean that means that the moon, the Jewish people are a reflection of Hashem. Other nations of other people in the world, just like, okay, we exist. They don't, they don't like, they're not like a specific reflection of God in the world in their essential nature. So it's not that the sun is bad. It's that that element of the idol worshippers, you know, making themselves great like they're the sun, like they're the source. That's what an idol worshiper is, the nice God. So that gets weaker. So it's actually a positive thing. And Rebbe connects this with the 15th generation from Avram Avinu, which was Shlomo Amel, King Solomon, when everything was wonderful in the world and all the nations helped to build a base on Migdash. And so on the 15th of Av, which is the opposite of what happened the first part of the month, which is the descent into darkness into destruction, the 15th represents the growth and the, and the light of the Jewish people in the world and of the world in general coming together in the belief of Hashem. And so that the fifth Navav is like a taste of the coming of Mashiach. So it's a very powerful and inspiring day. And um in practical terms, yeah, look at things from the eyes of, of a, a positive eye of godliness in the world, Mashiach coming, do things that are positive, and also keep in mind that it's not just between you and God, but also... And not also as secondary, but equally between person to person, Jew to Jew. So I think having Josh, Yeshua Avraham, and being our guest today was perfect, talking about how all these different experiences and interactions with different Chabad people brought him to where he is, with this you know, beautiful family. So all the best to him and all the best to all of us. And we should uh, see the transformation of Gullus into Guula
0: Man. Josh, as our special guest, do you have any final thoughts to wrap out our uh, our episode here?
2: Oh yeah. Um. So also, you know, first based off what Rabbit Poser said, the Hayomium today is all about that, and so I'll lead into how I started doing Hayomium the past couple of days, trying to listen to it after I finished davening. Um, and really, the main message is there's a couple main quick points here. Kabad, especially on campus and also in communities as well, is not to make you frum. If you decide to become frum as a result of being aspired, that's even more of a blessing. They just want you to be connected, to be proud and to be connected and to learn. And if you decide to take on more things, um, you know, you'll know, you hear from a lot of people, every mitzvah stands on its own. If you want to put the filling on once a day or once a week or to make a bracha on kosher food or light Shabbos candles, every little mitzvah stands on its own. So you're able to grow incrementally. At your own pace and your own way, and when you're comfortable to take on something else or a new thing, you should do it. Um, so I started doing Tehillim after Davening, which before I was like, no, I got to finish Chakras. I got, I got, you know, log on a computer, take meetings, drive Yodi, daycare, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start doing daily Tehillim. I'm gonna add Hayom Yom into it. Learn, I'm trying to learn Rambam. Each thing is like whether you're learning or doing an action, uh, an action-based miss or anything else. You know, just do it at at your own pace. And I think that's really the uh, big message here. Um, and also talking with the Rebam as well, whether it's Rabbi Posner or another Kabbalah camper Shlokum, or anyone that you're close with. If you were saying, I want to learn Tanya. Tanya's deep. Tanya is difficult. If you don't know Tanya, after the first chapter, you're like, I got this. And then you hit chapter three, and you're like, I don't have this. <laughs> learn it with someone. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to learn, definitely set up something. Um, and that's how you just work to keep on, you know, keeping things going and keeping uh, inspired. So, you know, uh, again, as Rabbi Posner also said, how I've connected with all these Lubavitchers and Shlokum at, at my chuppah, you know, I had all these Chabad rabbis up there. And I heard comments from, like, have you ever seen so many Chabad rabbis at a type of wedding like this? Like, you know, I, I have Rabbi Posner right there, Rabbi Yesi right there, Shemuel was doing the wedding, uh, the Slonims were there, the Haines were there, all these people were over there. And people were like, have you ever seen so many rabbis just stand around the chuppah? like yeah you know it's nice having that connection and that they're all here for you and whether you're holding here or or holding here um you know my brother's here I'm right here but it's not a competition at least with me it is because we're twins so everything's a competition <laughs> but um do it at your own pace and uh be inspired and you know if you have questions to ask and, and you know that's that's all you got to do never never say I don't never say I can't you know say I I, I will but at the right time and, and at the right place, never rule it out. I still have room to grow. Everyone has room to grow. You know, um, it's all about you and there's no judgment. And that's, that's, that's the big thing. You can look like me going to kabat people are like, great, welcome. You look like something else, you know, maybe less from more from it doesn't matter. Um, it's all open, warm and welcoming and it's all blessings. So as a, again, a bit of a long winded last word, um, <laughs> But I hope I hope that conveys and means something to a lot of people, whoever's listening to this. Well, thank you
0: so much for joining us. It's been a long episode, but a very good and very entertaining episode, if I do say so myself. So thank you, Josh, for joining us. And thank you, all of you, for listening and or watching. This has been episode 15 of the Postcast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place.